Just some podcast media. The past opinions expressed on various pleasures are those of the host and the guests and do not represent any views of any organizations that we may volunteer for or be employed by. Listeners should be aware that there may, most likely, be profanity and discussions on topics that may require a little discussion. There's roots where I stand. Oh, I've been running from the law. Hope they won't shoot me down soon. Welcome, welcome, everybody, to another episode of Buried Pleasures. I'm your hostess with the mostest, Pollyanna Amazing, and I am here today with somebody very special in my heart, and that is my good friend, Darlene. And we have known each other for a few years now. She's an amazing force to be reckoned with. She's a baller, badass woman. And Darlene, please introduce yourself. Tell us who you are and what you do. Hello, everyone. And to you, Pollyanna, I put my lipstick on and I did the big hair. George. So who am I? Uh, let's, let's start it this way. Um, my name is Darlene McLaughlin, and I was literally born on a rock that sits in the middle of the Atlantic, which happens to be the last absolute piece of North America before you can hit Europe. So um, my, my whole life has been a world of travel, which is kind of cool when you grow up on a rock and all you've ever known is basically you can drive to one end of it and you're still on a rock in the middle of the Atlantic or you have to fly to get off it. So uh, part of, of what I've done as my, in my life and especially since I hit 55 years ago is basically look at... Um, what I wanted to do in life, what was important to me, and what was really important is how big my world grows every time I travel. So um, part and parcel of, of what I did in my past is I used to be a flight attendant. So that was like my first little get off the island and get to see at least Canada, because at that point, all I had ever seen was the island, Newfoundland. And uh, for the last 20 odd years, by the nature of my profession, and also some of what I've done in yoga, is I've gotten to travel to world, the world. So um, a little bit about, um, you know, how I got into this. I grew up in a family that had basically nothing. Um, two parents that worked. So in that part of the world, Families just don't get on a flight and fly to Florida to Disney, right? You, if you were, if you had the money, if you were like one of the families in the town that had money, they would go to down to the states. The rest of us got stuck on this rock that has uh, ten months worth of winter and only two months that are not even summer. They're more like, well, sometimes we'd call July Jalember because it was just so cold. So um, my mother happened to have um, this 
despite her, her, you know, only having grade six or grade seven, education was important to her. And she decided to buy us a volume of encyclopedias. So at least her kids um, could be, as she called, smarter than the ones next door. But because of our winters, um, we would be inside a lot. So I started reading these encyclopedias. And every time I'd take an encyclopedia and read it, I'd be finding, starting at A, going right to Z, all of these different countries to read about, all of these different cultures and languages and, and everything else. And this volume of encyclopedias also came with, I'll never forget it, a volume of cookbooks and also a volume of the classics. So Darwin's, for example, Voyage of the Beagle, Aesop's Tales, Shakespeare, that sort of thing. So I started reading and I began to see that uh, there was this whole world outside of this beautiful rock I was growing up on that I wanted to experience. So my mother being my mother, she was always into basically do what you want, do what you, what will make you happy. Well, it's kind of hard when uh, you can't get off this, this island. <laughs> One thing, you, you know, it's kind of hard. That's great, Gertie, but... And also uh, when I found myself as a single mother, it, it kind of put a temporary roadblock into what I wanted to do. But uh, one thing the people in my province are known for, it's our resilience in, this, in the face of adversity. Like I said, when you're sitting in a, on a rock with storms blowing around you at hundred kilometers an hour, uh, I can't, don't know what that is in miles per hour. I know it's a lot. Um, and you don't do math on here, darling. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just, it's just always a shit show of weather there. Gotcha. It, it get kind of, it's hard. So, um, when I had the first opportunity to, to start to travel, I went for it and I haven't looked back and I find myself now, you know, at 55 and I meet a lot of, for me, I'm, I meet a lot of people, but specifically women who go, oh, I wish I could do what you're doing. And I'll always ask, why can't you? <laughs> and right. and it's, not, it's not that it's to go out and climb mountains or to, you know, uh, get into rock climbing, but to be actually able to take that step and do something that will expand your horizons, expand your boundaries. Right. And right. that's what gives me pleasure. That's what I love. You're one of my favorite people on this planet, by the way. And, you know, now listening to your story about your encyclopedias, my grandmother had the set of Encyclopedia Britannica that I used to sit. And I swear, I think it's probably, it was copyrighted in 1960. I'm sure of it, but we still used it for school reports and that kind of thing when we were in high school. And so it's so cool to hear you say that. And you're the baddest chick that I know that came from a rock. <laughs> And I, and I, and I kind of lost the accent for you today. Oh, well, no, bring it back. I love it. I love it. It'll come back. It'll come back. <laughs> I freaking love it. But you know what you were saying, one of the things that I'm teaching my daughter now, well, it's not necessarily me so much as it is my husband, because I don't want to ride in a car with her in her 16 years of not knowing anything. In, yep. in a, no, thank you. But what we talk about constantly in, in terms for her to understand is expanding her map. 
like they all play video games and you know you have a small set of areas that you can go in and video games and what you want to do is expand your map so we've moved to a new place we you know she's driving now which is horrific just to throw that out there but she's my last one so i don't care anyway <laughs> um the expansion of your map and really expanding your mind past what you know on a rock uh, or in the middle of nowhere in Kentucky. Those are the things that I think that wanderlust that starts people asking questions and adventure can come in any way, shape or form. It doesn't have to be physical travel. It can be mental travel through books and reading and pictures and music. I freaking love that about you. Though as far as the rock climbing goes, you know how I feel about that. Um, I'm all about adventure as long as, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to work that hard at adventure like you do. Just to let you guys know, Darlene keeps saying she's 55. She's beautiful. So watch the video on YouTube. If you are just listening to this on the podcast lands, look, take a look at this 55 year old babe. Seriously. Um, you have such a good heart and your yoga has made you who you are. Your upbringing has made you who you are. Tell me what was it like growing up on this island in the middle of nowhere? And, you know, obviously you weren't going to Florida on vacations. And how do you, um, like, how do families date there? <laughs> like, how does that go? And I'm going to reserve all of the incestuous comments <laughs> that people make about Kentucky. But seriously, though, like, how do you go to, to dances or, or parties with guys that have you've grown up with your whole life and that are like your brothers. How's that work out? Well, 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 that's the thing, right? Like, really, is there six degrees of separation? Oh, I don't know. I don't think so. Sometimes. <laughs> uh, and, and you know what's really interesting? I was in Korea in the lineup for my flight. I, I was in Seoul. And this guy standing in front of me, and I hear him talk to the agent, and I went, oh my god he's from Newfoundland <laughs> and and he turned around and I said so I said where are you from I said who's your father because that's what we do right and he said why are you asking that and I said I know you're from Newfoundland and he said how can you tell and I said a your accent but I said also uh, to go back to what you were saying I said you look like a newfie and, <laughs> and he goes really and I said yeah I said like I find that Wherever I go in the world, I said, there's something, either it's on the energetic level, but I said, I, I usually go, ooh, bet you that person's from home. And I said, as soon as they speak, they do. But for dating, like you, you had all of these, what's really cool about the province is its influence of Ireland and England. And so a lot of settlers, that's where they came and they settled too. So you'll have pockets of communities that are very, very Irish and still have um, the, uh, so many dialects. It yeah. almost feels like you're back in Ireland. And then you'll have communities that were heavily influenced and settled by uh, those from England. So generally, they were all different families. So, so you, you kind of had that, like, this is the English, the Irish, and dating and everything else. But where I grew up, um, we, you know, my mother was one of these people that because she placed such an emphasis on education, uh, we never thought about dating. Not, not where I grew up. It, it, you just didn't date. Now, when I moved to the city, that's different because the city had so many other people there when I started to go to university. So you, you had all of these, you definitely had six degrees of separation. <laughs> It's hard. And what's really hard now is that so many of the communities there, uh, 
have started to to basically uh, shut down and everybody is coming into the city areas and there's only two major cities uh, in the province. So now you have all of these, you know, wonderful little communities by the sea. Um, you know, all of them had their own unique um, uh, dialects and, and, and how they interacted. And it's all getting lost because everybody's coming into the city, mm -hmm. right? But, uh, but yeah, like I have been, uh, and that's always the funny thing, wherever I'm traveling with someone and I'll always hit them and go, that person's from Newfoundland. And they'll go, how do you know? And I said, just watch. And we'll, st uh, I'll ask a question. And the question is, where are you from? And the moment they speak, it's like, yep, you're from home. Right. Accent is a giveaway, but also uh, they, yeah. Yeah, I love it. I love your accent. I the first time I met you. So Darlene and I met at a um, a yogic retreat, basically authentic tantra retreat, and it was such a wonderful um, time for me because I was stepping out of my own comfort zone at the time, and I didn't know anything about tantra, yoga, peer, nothing, nothing. And so to meet some really cool people like you, darling, thank you. Um, it was really nice to have all of these people coming from all walks of life all over the world and just meeting in one place. And you get to figure out that, holy cow, there's some really cool things out there. Like I knew zero about Newfoundland, nothing at all um, other than yeah, it's cold there. <laughs> oh, lots of snow. <laughs> lots of snow, that's right. But now I get to hear these incredible stories based on the fact that my really good friend, Darlene, loves to travel and she has the capability to do so. And so I can live vicariously through all the amazing things that you do. But also you bring back, you know, every time you talk to me, you're bringing back another piece of education that I'm just like, damn, ugh, I, I need to expand my map more with less hiking, just throwing that out there, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah. but. But the hiking, right, you can, you can go and go slow. And this is one of the things like for friends, uh, because I just finished Peru uh, in September and there's different ways of getting to Machu Picchu. We chose the hard way to get there. It took five days up over 15,000 feet, uh, you know, down through the beginning of the Amazon, uh, but, and everyone goes, well, that must have been, I can't do that. And I'm like, you've got to understand how slow you walk. I said, when you're doing that sort of thing, I said, it is slow. But I said, not only that, I said, it is the support you draw upon each other. And that's, that's important. But I said, um, it, it wasn't getting over the mountain, handed me my ass. I was like, I'm going to die here. That's what I thought. And I went, no, you're not going to, you know, you can do it. But it just felt like it at the time. Right. Once you you get over that, and then you start looking around, at, and it wasn't the destination of getting to Machu Picchu. It's never that. It's what's happening as you are on that journey. And I always tell people, you know, who ask about the travels and what I learn every time I go rock climbing. I said it's it's not about getting you know doing a certain wall or anything like that. I said is what are you learning while while you're doing this. And I said, sometimes I said, the lessons you learn are really humbling. You, you go, okay, you know what? It, it's, but it's okay to find out that there are certain things that are outside of your skill set. 
And I'm always the first one to, to go, that looks great. You look fabulous climbing that wall, but there's no way I'm hauling this big ass up it, right? It's not going to happen. And that's fine. That's absolutely okay. I go, you know what? I'll do my best and get where I can on it. And, and that's it. That's awesome. You're so cute. I love it. Well, one of the things that I find very endearing about the stories that you tell is you do always come up with a um, commonality for our day-to-day even when you're talking about your yoga instruction and that sort of thing, there are some really cool practical things that you bring to the table. And anytime, just like you were saying, anytime we're doing something, if we're in the moment, in the process, if you stay there where you need to be to learn from stuff or from learn from these actions, that's where, that's where the meditation comes in too. I think like when I do hikes, I do little hikes, not compared to what Darlene does at all, by the way. So I go on two, three mile hikes. Um, not too bad railroad grade mostly. Um, (laughs) but in that, in those, in that moment, if you're doing a two hour hike, let's say, if you stop thinking about all of the terrible things that are going on in your life and you focus on the smell the things you see, the lighting, the rain, the cold, the heat, whatever it is that you're feeling in that moment, it can really transform into something totally different other than, holy shit, I just walked for two miles and I'm hot and sweaty and I don't want to do that again. You're not, your mindset needs to be such as to support the good things that you're trying to do for yourself. Because why, why else are you going on a hike other than to expand your map, expand your mind, and maybe be a little healthier. Maybe that's what you want to do, you know, or maybe you just need to escape for a minute. Even if you use that for an escape, be in that moment so that you can learn from it. And I think I learned a lot of of that from you, Darlene, honestly, over the last few years is just like, you're taking the bull by the horns. And and if you're not paying attention, he's going to throw you off. So really be present and, and, and your intention for whatever it is that you're doing, make it a pleasurable intention. Don't just hang back and be that person that says, like I just did. I'm not hiking that far ever. (laughs) Just be easy and gentle in, in that way. And that's what I think, um, that's the pleasure that I ascertain from what, when you're talking about all of these amazing travels, but tell me more about, um, how you feel that your yoga, you know, being the yoga instructor that you are, how has that helped you to gain pleasure in your life? Do you think? So I think one of the biggest takeaways from what I've done in yoga and what I continue to do and how yoga contributes to my pleasure is exactly what you just said. And that is the ability to appreciate the moment as it's happening and not to get caught up in the mindset of, oh my God, like there's another 22 kilometers left to do. That that I think is the biggest contributor to pleasure for me. And also it keeps you out of your head and totally connected to your body. Mm-hmm. So you are able to focus more on the pleasure of uh, what you're experiencing, like not, not the, the, the cold or anything like that, not that physical stuff, but actually what you're experiencing. So like when, 
when we were doing um, uh, the self-contained pass, so this is day number two of this trek to get up to fifth, over 15,000 feet in order to go down and start heading towards Machu, Machu Picchu. Mm-hmm. It was coming down to number one, you're at altitude. So breathing is a bit of an issue, sure. uh, a big issue. Um, it's cold. It's snowing at one point. The wind is up. And at, at one point, I allowed myself to get into my head and I went, you can't do this. And I, and I started having these conversations. I'm like, yeah, but you, you, you know, you can. So why are you here? And it was just detracting from everything that was around me. So the landscape, for example, um, the, what the glaciers had done and what had been left behind, I wasn't seeing any of that because I was stuck up here. So that took away from pleasure. And honestly, um, I think what really helped when we talk about, you know, the strength of those people that we have in our lives and the relationship they cultivate, uh, one of the women who was on this journey, um, this is day number two, already had her feet were blistered up and we still had four more days of this to, to do it. She had never hiked at altitude before. She had never hiked that uh, distance before. Um, she had had health issues. And I looked at her and, and despite what she was experiencing physically, she was still continuing on. And that's when I went, ah, you're in your head, D, get out of there. Right. Come back. And that's what yoga has done. That's awesome. Do you think that... Um the ability to teach these things to other people. Do you think that that's helped you learn even more by trying to change up how and like the the ability to teach to certain people? Because you and I both know that there are some people that learn some ways and there are some that learn others. So do you think that that's helped you also to, to gain a little perspective? Yes. And, and I think what that has done is that it's widened it's expanded my mindset to see how challenging it can be uh, for some people to actually become detached from everything that they're, they're, that they're attached to and that they don't see that it's actually an imped, impediment to um, their overall well-being. And it also interferes with their ability to have pleasure in their life because they're so caught up in these attachments. So in teaching yoga, for example, um, when I'm teaching, like, you know, whether it's mindfulness or meditation and the response is sometimes, oh yeah, I'm getting it, I'm getting it. But then they'll start down a path of a conversation where I'll, I'll start asking the questions and they'll go, oh, I'm still stuck. And I'm like, yeah think you are right so I think it enables you to to kind of really be that passive observer of other people but at the same time that's really awesome because you're able to connect even more deeply with other people because you see that you're not caught up in yourself yeah and that's an impressive ability to have I don't think a lot of people can do that and being able to have the presence of mind to do that is so important and in just in my healthcare life I feel like if I 
am listening to a patient and they have a complaint or an illness or something that they want to talk about. And I'm thinking about what time is lunch, right? And I'm not even, I'm not even in the conversation because I've heard it a hundred times before. I have a, a canned answer that I can just slip into you. Um, I found that in my practice, I had to bring myself out of that. I had to stop doing that because it really was detrimental to myself because people know when you're not being um, genuine and they know they can sense when you're just giving them that, you know, boxed answer with a bow on top here, this is for you. And that's it. If you don't engage appropriately with your own mind, how can you engage with the mind of others? And that's, that's been a long time in coming for me <laughs> because again, I've not been into um, the meditation and yogic practices and, and mind expanding options that you have. And you're such, for me, I know you're like my idol, Darlene. I love, I love you too. <laughs> <laughs> because there are so many things that I want to emulate that you do. Not your accent though. Yours is too hard. I can't do yours. But anyway, <laughs> it's just those things that make you stop and think if I have the capability to listen a little bit better, if I can really hone my mind to make me the best version of me, then other people that I come in contact with are also going to be the best version of them. And I think that I, I really, I don't talk about it enough, um, how our attitudes can really affect the people around us. And that's oh. huge. We don't even think about it on a daily basis because, you know, hey, by the way, if it weren't for Darlene, people in Canada would never fly anywhere. I'm just saying. <laughs> But, but, but you're right. And, and this is, this is always, you know, for me, I, I always go, I don't understand why is this so hard? But then I went, okay, no, step back and take a look at what we have going on around us in this world. You know, people, all the stresses that, that are thrown upon us, all the chaos and everything else. And I go, okay, yeah, there's a reason why people are walking around stressed out and not walking around, you know, allowing themselves to, to actually be, positive or you know say kind things or or um think kind thoughts even towards themselves first and you know as much as we the collective we you you myself and those other wonderful people you know that have been in our lives through our training talk about positive thoughts positive speech positive actions and write about it that's all fine and dandy it's it's actually figuring out how do you get people to turn on that light switch within them to realize that what you put out is what you attract. So if you are putting out, um, you know, negative thoughts, negative speech and doing negative things, that's what comes back. And um, it, it's always a, a hard conversation for me to have with people who are near and dear to my life when I sit there and I go, oh my, like, you've got to hear yourself, right? Without being judgmental about what you're, you're actually saying. And then you wonder why things are going down the road that they are. Um, so maybe it's, it's stepping back and, and um, you know, really being that observer to yourself first 
and being a kind observer, you know, being that, that person that's not going to be critical and judgmental, but actually stepping back and going, okay, really just listen to what you just said, just look at what you just did and what's going through your head. Right. And for me, you know, um, I used to have students who would always say, I've got all these thoughts going through my head. How, sorry, how do I, I stop them? And I would always say, you can't stop your thoughts, right? You, you, you have a way of controlling them. Um, and that's a lot of work. People have this expectation that this is going to happen overnight. No, it doesn't happen overnight. It's a lot of work. And a lot of ugliness comes up as you're going through that process, right? A lot of ugliness comes up. Sure. I have definitely had my fair share of ugliness come up, but you know, one of the things that really, um, like what you were saying, perspective always enters in it's what, you know, and it's taking the knowledge that you've gained and in changing the wording or changing the modality in which you convey that information into something that somebody else can go, holy cow, I get it now. Like, oh my gosh, I didn't get it before. Yeah. Light bulbs, you know, <laughs> that's oh, yeah. the best part. And being, being that conduit or that person that can translate from um, the practical to the actual, um, the thought process that goes behind it. That's a, that, you know, you're like a translator of life is what you're doing, Darlene. And you're educating these people um, and everybody that you come in contact with, by the way, because I know how you are. (laughs) You're a very persuasive person. And the fact that when you sit down to talk with Darlene or, you know, you have speak about something she's passionate about, you're going to feel like you can run out and do it the next day because it sounds like she just. She just gives you that thought that, oh my gosh, I can do that too. Like I can climb the Alps. Not really. I don't want to. Yes, you can. I know, but it's it's just, well, you know what? It's only cold. It's only cold when you get to the top at the beginning, it's usually hot. And at the time I was having hot flashes. So I was ready. Oh my gosh. Okay. So maybe this is the time I should go. We'll go next. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, but, but, you know, in all honesty, it, it is one of these things. And, and again, I go back to, you know, the influence of my mother who had next to nothing in education. And she grew up in a small community, had never left the rock at that point, but she was open enough. So something obviously had happened in her life where she went, you know what, I want my kids to be able to expand their horizons. And and that is that for that, I think that is the most one of the most um, things I have the most gratitude towards is, is that that she did that for us. She didn't want us to be um, limited in anything. And like I said, she was a very traditional person as well. But something there was important to her that her daughters, there were five of us, got out and did something different with our lives. Yeah. Thank you, Gertie. Thanks for bringing me, Darlene. That's all I say. And one of the things that Darlene and I have in common, we both share um, mothers who have dementia, Alzheimer's issues. And um, it's nice and comforting to hear other people and how they're dealing with their situations. But my mother also did the same. She wanted her girls to have better. She wanted us to get out. And they really, my parents both, 
um, really put an emphasis on go to college, get out of, get out of the middle of nowhere in Kentucky. We want you to feel like you're doing something, be better than what you see in front of you that you feel isn't where you want to be. So in that fact, it's really cool uh, to share that with you, Darlene, you know, because we do, you're my support a lot when we talk and um, nobody understands it better than somebody in the situation, honestly, like people with experience. So I wanted to bring you on here to thank you for that, by the way, because oh. I know it's just a really tough time for, for a lot of people who have to be sandwiched in between taking care of their parents yeah. and taking care of their family and taking care of you. And how can we get back to pleasure in our own lives, when we have all these things looming around us that just feel like they're just trying to drag us down. So what are some ideas that you, or can you tell us some things that you do to keep yourself past, you know, your, your amazing travels? What do you do on a day-to-day when you can't travel to keep your mind where it needs to be? So for me, um, I'm a big proponent, like, I had always been physically active, but when I hit 50 and everything started changing, I'm like, okay, we gotta, we gotta do something here. So I meditate daily. It's, and I always, you know, instill in people don't feel like you have to meditate every day. And often when I am first, um, you know, someone will ask, I want to do a 30 day meditation challenge. And I'll always say, well, have you ever meditated before? And they'll go, no. And I'm like, well, maybe why don't you do one day, right? <laughs> but, but meditation is really has always been important to me because between my professional career and then everything else I do, it keeps me grounded. And it's, and that is one of the things that, you know, is so important for my uh, mindset, but also my ability to actually enjoy pleasure in my life. Yeah. Also uh, getting outside. I'm a, I'm outside every day. It's like minus 44 here, you know, Celsius in the wintertime with the wind chill where I am now and still get outside, not for a long period of time, but outside in nature, you know, I don't think anybody can ever underestimate how important that is to your physical and emotional well-being and um i you know have reached a point in my life where i kind of feel like i'm now starting on this other journey and that's been rather interesting because every day i wake up i go oh yeah you're kind of being pulled and it's it's stepping outside of my comfort zone it's fun every day to explore that and what it brings and I think that is the, the other thing, you know, that adds to our pleasure is um, realizing that as we age, um, you have choices. Well, we always have choices, but you have a choice over how you age. And that age doesn't necessarily mean that you stay in your comfort zone, that actually there are opportunities now for you to step outside your comfort zone because for many of us, our kids are grown up and everything else, right? So, so we actually, I look at it as opportunities, like every day is a freaking opportunity. So what are you going to do about it? Right. Right. That's some of the experience that I have gained since I switched up practice areas going from doing straight emergent care to podiatry, which is kind of cool. I'm, I know it sounds really gross guys. Feet are not my thing, but the people that I serve are 
Um, I really have enjoyed that ability to learn from people that have already done it. They've already done it. They they took out the hard work for you. They've already made their mistakes and they can talk to you about what they did. That's flipping awesome. That's such a great thing. And one of the other things I wanted to ask you, like in the, in the yoga sense is what, how did you get into that? Being from um, the rock, is there a whole lot of yoga classes going on up there? No. And, and I grew up uh, in a, in a very, um, I guess you would call a religious community. So yeah. yoga is not, it wouldn't have been a thing. Oh. So um, I was actually um, anorexic when I was a teenager. And in this little community I grew up in, we had a teacher from far away. So the mainland basically, uh, who decided to offer yoga uh, after school. And it was actually supported by the principal at, at this place. So I started uh, yoga when I was 14. Uh, and at the time, I mean, anorexia, no one knew what it was. Um, and I started starving myself. So, you know, my frame, I was actually always this frame since puberty. I was down to 85 pounds on this frame. And it was all because my beautiful grandmother at the time said, Darlene is big bones, which translates to a 14 year old girl as I'm fat. Right, right. Um, With this yoga, with with this teacher who was delivering these yoga classes after school, I kind of, something switched on. And um, I've often said when I, when I, you know, teach to yoga teachers and train yoga teachers, I got into it and my life was saved because of this teacher. That's how I got into it. And that was, yeah, quite a few decades ago. (laughs) Many decades ago. That's all right. Um, The decades that we are, we look fabulous, don't we? I love, I would never go back, but yeah, yes, that's how I got into it. So awesome. So now that you're teaching and you're still traveling and you know, your kids are grown and out of the house and, and it's Darlene time right now. Well, minus the COVID and work and all that stuff, but the Darlene time, this is your time. You now have this ability to discern what's pleasurable for you and what's not. How did you start dropping the things that were not so, you know, so good for you? and started picking up more of these positive um, experiences. How, how did that, how did you start that switch over? That, that, that has been a long time coming. And I think, you know, I'll never forget the day it happened. I was actually home uh, visiting my mother and it was a storm outside in March because winter's always stormy. And I picked up the phone and I had a studio at the time and I called, um, this uh, person who was kind of running the studio when I wasn't there. And I said, get ready to shut it down in a month. I said, we're done. Because as much as I loved, um, I loved my clientele. I loved what I was doing, but I was totally stressed out and exhausted. And I think that's the catalyst for a lot of us. We, We suddenly wake up and we go, I'm exhausted. And facing every day is like, what is coming? It's not facing every day is, oh my God, I woke up. How awesome is this? Is like, oh my God, like, look at what's coming my way. So I started to, um, started that process then. And then I started moving away from, I think the big shift was realizing I thought I had to do this. Otherwise I would disappoint people. 
and realized that the only person I was actually disappointing was myself. Right. And, and I had to start doing things that brought me pleasure and not have to focus so much on taking care of everybody else. And it was kind of ironic because when I teach yoga and we talk about energy, I'll always say, you know, whatever you're giving out, you should be getting back that plus 20%. But we tend to give out 110% and we might take back 5%. And that's the situation I found myself in. I was giving out so much, I had nothing more to give. Yeah. And that's, that started it all. That's fantastic. I have that conversation about giving from an empty cup all of the time, especially in, in my, in my realm, my world, my perspective, healthcare, it's really hard to give your best when you really aren't taking care of yourself. And I found that to be so true for so long. And my friends, my Tantra friends helped me out to help me to get out of that mindset. And honestly, I feel better now than I have in a long time, even though there are way more things going on that cause me stress, I can actually deal with it so much easier and in such a more um, positive way than I ever could before. Because before I I I leaned more towards drinking and Mm -hmm. doing things that took me out out of my mind. You know, Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be in this body. I don't want to deal with all this stuff all the time. So I was floating in outer space somewhere, um, trying to make myself feel better. And actuality was doing the very opposite of that. So taking control back and being a female who is in control Mm -hmm. is sometimes not as desired in workplace. So tell me about, like, I want to talk about that with you too, because you're a strong woman in the workplace. And I know you're, you're, you've had these encounters with this, you're, you're in the boys club with flight, you know? So talk about that a little, how did you deal with that? So it's kind of, from my perspective, each time I went into an occupation that tended to be more dominated by men. It's first of all, what is the mindset going into that? Um, And then also what was I learning with every interaction? So my first big interaction, I think was I was a volunteer firefighter and there were 23 men and myself, right? Um, So in a very small community. And um, that one was, was such a positive experience. Like that set the bar for any other occupations I went into afterwards. And I held everything to that because these, this group was very supportive of me and they also recognized me for the, the skill set I had. So I came into it with, I used to teach um, advanced first aid. So for fire departments, they 85% of the, the calls are medical. So they were like, here, you're going to take care of this. So, okay. I had, I had, I guess, proved my worth there, but going into, um, into my career that I'm in now, uh, and the position I have now, um, you're dealing with different and conflicting, um, priorities and also cultures and mindsets. So the, the, the profession itself is very high, uh, has a hierarchy in it. 
And at the hierarchy are usually uh, the technical skills uh, involved in operating aircraft. And then everybody else falls underneath that. And that's, that's the background I came in through. I used to be a flight attendant. So I now occupy and have occupied a position as a decision maker. Uh, and it has been um, a learning experience because I work really hard at ensuring that any of my decisions that are made, they're based on very sound research and substantiated by data. And um, I had to go that route, like always had to, you go that route anyway, but probably a little more than, than, than I needed to, just to feel like I was being validated um, that here's all of this, this science behind my decision. Here's everything, all of the research. When sometimes I would step back and go, yeah, maybe I didn't have to go that deep into it, but I felt like I had to. So it's, it's always, um, I've often said to, you know, women who've asked me what it's like to be in that environment uh, where it's been dominated by men. And I said, you know, honestly, I said, my experiences have been so positive. Um, and I said, I, I kind of struggle with coming up with something that is, um, that was negative uh, from that part. You know, when I was in industry, sure, a lot of sexism, my God, like that is, I'm pretty sure it's similar to the medical environment, right? You've got pilots and flight attendants and now uh, it just goes on and on and on. Uh, but the moment I started shifting over to management, it was uh, it, my first big learning experience was I was a supervisor and the director who hired me, I think I was like 23 years old at the time. Um, and I had visions of, you know, we're all gonna work together. We're gonna hold hands and sing Kumbaya. I've got, uh, you know, this whole base to run. And I'll never forget, he sat there and he said, Darlene, he said, there are sharks. He says, you will be surrounded by sharks. He says, you have to learn to A, recognize them and be the bigger shark. And I'm like, I have to be a shark. <laughs> and, and I realized afterwards, as I progressed in my career, that was his mindset on how he felt women, what women needed to do to, to get ahead, that they had to be the big sharks. And I went about consciously in my career proving that you didn't have to be the bigger shark. You had to be able to think strategically. That was important to understand what was happening and to develop a strategy that was effective and that you were going to be able to get your goals. And that's what's molded, that's what's kept me going as I went through, you know, all of these different careers where I have been like, seriously, at sometimes I'm it. I am the one and only woman there. Yeah. I can think strategically. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome that you're the go-to for that though. I yep. mean, I think that's another reason why we get along so well is that we are very forward thinking, strong minded women yeah. and the betterment of the world for women is it's, it's coming. Um, yeah, it's coming. As, we, as we keep up the good fight, but um, you know, the collaboration that I see between uh, people in power and those who are not 
Mm-hmm. There are a lot more women that are, are coming into power than mm-hmm. there used to be. So any step up or step forward for women is fantastic. So um, you should applaud yourself for doing Thank so you. well. You no, know, I have to say it, darling. It's phenomenal what you do. And if you were able to speak to a young woman out there who's really struggling in life to figure out how to become a stronger, more effective female in the workplace, in in the home, whatever they're doing. What are some things that you would advise women to do to become that better version of themselves? Figure out who you are, who your authentic self is, and be honest to it. Because if you try to be someone that you're not, you're not going to be happy. Um, You might be for a short period of time, but, but honestly, you actually over time, and I found myself in that position until I I realized, Hey, this is who I am. um, It, it, it will only go for so long before you start to suffer physically and emotionally. That would be one thing, who you are and be true to that person. The world, we're all unique. So why try to be like this person next to you, right? Like she or he is special, they are special in themselves. Um, Also, if you find that you are allowing yourself to be defined by the roles that society is imposing on you, feel free to challenge those at times. Right. And, and, and that's been one of the big thing because um, coming from industry, you know, that whole perception and role of what a flight attendant was about. And then, you know, having to show that, no, that's the skill set is, you know, vast, first of all, but also that role is not defining me. Uh, that's just a, that's just a role. That is not who I am. Right. right? And that do not allow anyone to tell you that because you're 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, that you shouldn't be doing whatever it is you want to do. That's been the big one. And, and, you know, my biggest regret has been um, going back to what we just said about our moms. I used to take my mother traveling with me. When I left the island, I would take her on trips and um, she loved the travel. And my biggest regret is that she didn't get to see as much as the world. And towards the last few years before her dementia was diagnosed, she would go, I'm getting too old for that. And I would always say, why are you saying this? Why are you, we're just doing this trip, right? And I, and I was always go, mom, you're allowing yourself to get constrained by the mindset that because you're getting, um, because you are at the time she was 70, uh, that 70 means you can't do this. No, it doesn't. Yeah. Oh, Darlene, it has been such a pleasure having you on the show today. You're always a delight every day. Um, Could you please tell everyone out there how they could contact you for yoga instruction or any of your other social media things so that they let's, let's put Darlene's name out there in the universe and, uh, and add some blessings to it because she has a lot of amazing information to share with people. So Darlene, where can they find you? So uh, you can find me on Facebook. It's uh, yoga with D and uh, you can't, it's me. 
Uh, you can also find me on Instagram with, as Yoga with D, and uh, my website is still based upon the studio, so it's smithsfallsyoga.com, and you can always send me an email at yogadarlene66, so there you go, that's the year I was born, uh, at gmail.com. Yoga Darlene 66, you're beautiful. I don't care what anybody says about age. You're amazing. You are a force to be reckoned with. And I cannot wait to grow old in the presence of you. That's it. All right. Hike with me. <laughs> oh, totally. Like we're totally doing that. We're hiking. Yeah, we are. We, we are. are. Yeah. All right, guys. So this is Polly and Amazing. This has been Buried Pleasures. And please search us out at buriedpleasures.com, Buried Pleasures on Facebook and Instagram, and also Twitter, Buried Pleasures. I mean, find me. I have a TikTok, Buried Pleasures and Buried Pleasures one, but I can't TikTok yet. I don't know how to do all that yet. So I'm waiting for your little video. <laughs> That's it. All right, guys. Thanks. Have a great day. Bye-bye, my love. Sunrise.